I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this is Playing Playing With with Science. Science. Today, we're talking about basketball and the science of the shot, and we'll be exploring the theory and the practice of the shot with the author of The Physics of Basketball, which has become a Bible within the sport. Also, we'll have Columbia University's head coach as well joining us. We're better to start than with the king of the court, Mr. Yes. Three-Point himself, yes. Steph Curry. Steph. It's not just an awful lot of talent that makes it happen. There is an awful lot of science in there too. That's right. We'll have one top man to explain it to us, but Chuck, First. before we get there, yeah, we got to gotta have the man in action. We got to have the man in action. We got some audio of Steph Curry. Uh, the first is just a half-court shot so that you can see. Here's what I love about this guy. He does not throw up prayers at the end of a quarter, at the end of the game with no time on the clock. He actually makes a shot. So here's the first one. I believe it's a half-court shot. Listen. Green weaving, trying to get the shot up. No call that way. Curry flings it the other way. And he got it! What a turnaround! Curry the three! Look at that. So you hear right there, you hear the buzzer go off. Yep. Like, and he's, and he got it. And like, like you hear. And the great thing is, most guys throw up a half court prayer. Mm. This guy actually takes an actual shot from half court. See, the thing is, as a sportsman at that level, the buzzer doesn't phase him. Yeah. He's in control of the time between when it gets the ball and when it splashes. That's right. He's buzzer proof, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Can you tell I'm a Steph Curry fan? I don't care if you're a hater. I love the guy. So here's the second clip. And this is Steph Curry at the end of the game. Okay. No time on the clock. It's overtime. Okay. Here we go. Do have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry. Way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry. With six tenths of a second remaining. Look at that. Six tenths of a second remaining in overtime. And I believe that was against OKC. And boom, your overtime, six tenths of a a second remaining. They have a timeout. He chooses not to take the timeout. Steps back. This guy is like, I don't know, eight feet behind the three-point line. And He's in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. He's actually brushing his teeth at home. <laughs> and boom, he pulls up and drains it like with nothing. See, th- this guy is so calm. Yeah. Now, what we'll have to explore during the show is this calmness. Yes. Whether it comes just from a natural thing or it's because this guy has spent so much time perfecting. None of this is an accident of gravity. Mm. None of it. Speaking uh, of gravity... Let's speak to a man who knows all about the physics. And that, of course, is Professor John Fontanella. John, welcome to Playing With Science. Your book has become a Bible. And let's now examine what has gone on in the last 10 years since you wrote that book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Thank thank you very much. You're welcome. uh, Thank you for having me on. And uh, nice segue, by the way. Yeah, um, I, I don't think too much has really happened to the game, but boy, a lot has happened to the players. Uh, yeah. Bigger, faster, stronger. Um, but as regards a, um, the game itself, you know, uh, I heard uh, watching a little bit of basketball, everybody seems continually amazed by the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. And, you know, <laughs> that was something uh, we learned uh, 60 years ago when I started playing. So anyway, um 
not too much with the game, but uh, a lot with the players. Mm-hmm. So let's look at Curry as an individual point here. So he's he's just a three-point machine. But what gets me is the dribble, the instant stop, and then the jump and then the pop. But everything that goes in it, the physics of the forces, the, the, the elevation, the vertical, and then the parabola of what goes on once the ball leaves his hand. Professor, could you break down the actual physics of a, of, of a jump shot? Like, what has to happen from the time that I push the ball, it releases my hand? What, what happens in that whole process to get nothing but net? First of all, I'd like to say that, uh, uh, you know, Steph Curry has a lot of shots. Uh, he doesn't just shoot a jump shot. And in hmm. fact, uh, that uh, that long distance shot, the three quarter court, uh, has has a name uh, straight out of the 1950s. People hate it when I say that, but uh, what is it? It really it really is a one hand push shot. That's called a one hand push shot. That's called a one hand push shot. That that's a classic. I don't I don't know if his dad taught him that. Certainly, uh, Del Curry was uh, would know uh, or sure. at least a product of that period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, the second thing that uh, the Steph has, which um, if you ever watch him practice, he mostly practices what we call, I hate to say this, is a one-hand set shot. Now, he has, he has taken that to new levels. In fact, I kind of predicted uh, Seth Curry uh, in my book, like on page 57, uh, should say here, what does it say? Uh, I'm a little surprised the advent of the three-point line hasn't renewed interest in a set shot in the men's game. It takes less effort and is more accurate and quicker than a jump shot. Hmm. Uh, tell us the difference between jump shot and set shot. I mean, I'm sure it's a small difference, but it makes a big difference in the game. It's actually quite a large difference. Okay. Uh, in the case of the jump shot, and he does have a jump shot, but I'll tell you, I looked at uh, several of videos where uh, they dealt with about uh, 50 of his shots, and I only saw two, one, maybe two, what you call true jump shots. Mm-hmm. True jump shots is where you jump up and the ball usually goes to the top of your head mm-hmm. and then you wait to you, you uh, release right at the top of the jump. And the physics there is that you want the velocity to be zero. You want, you want to be still when you shoot, just like shooting a gun, you shoot a basketball, you fire the ball from the top of your head. Now, a large fraction of this uh, the muscle effort goes into a straight up jump. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Michael Jordan used to do it. Uh, and certainly Seth Curry really is the master when it comes to this sort of thing. All right. That's that's kind of a difficult shot to do from long range. And that's why Seth Curry ha- is I, I call it evolutionary. Uh, you could call it revolutionary if you like. But now on the set shot, it's different. The ball is not released from the top of your head. It really is released. And you watch Seth Curry, you'll see most of the balls that he shoots are, are, are released from in front of his face. Okay. Right? Now, what, what that does and what makes him so powerful is that he can take that ball, he takes the ball, and the ball smoothly transitions from the dribble or even a pass, even though from a pass, and it goes straight to the straight in front of his face and in and up to the basket. Okay. That that saves huge amount of time. There's none in the case of the jump shot, of course, you have to go to the top of your head mm-hmm. and that takes time. So you're but saying it's a conservation of time and a conservation of energy that makes the set shot a better shot. 
or mainly time but energy too yes absolutely now let me let me let me follow up your comment because there's an excellent bit of insight on your part uh the the conservation of energy is that part of the uh of of his uh the reason he can shoot from such a great distance is that the whole body is involved in the shot if you if you watch closely when he's practicing, what happens is you bend he bends his knees, yep. ball goes down a little bit, and as he's coming up, he brings the ball with him, hmm. and then releases. What that means is, he, the speed of the ball is the speed of his body plus the speed of the ball. That's just a conserva- just not a conservation. It's a it's just an addition of velocities, additions of speeds. And that's where he gets the little extra that enables him to shoot with such accuracy from such a long distance. So he's using, he's putting more energy into the ball sooner when he shoots in that respect from other players. I think that's a that's a very uh, that's a that's a very valid way to uh, to say it. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Wow. Because he's only six foot three, and to be honest with you, I'm envious because he's taller than I am. In in this particular sport, that's that's not really an advantage. But he has turned the game around to his own advantage. So if I've got a seven foot guy in front of me, I've got to pitch that right up and over. Now that has to take a different kind of talent. Uh, it does indeed. That's 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 a different set of skills, which he also has. If you've ever seen him drive the lane, you know, just a matter amazing up and over. Not really a finger roll into the basket, which makes me enjoy watching him play much more than the uh, physical misfits <laughs> that drop the ball into the basket. But uh, yeah, uh, sure, absolutely. Uh, he has he he has all kinds of shots. He has a runner, which I've enjoyed watching. Uh, and uh, and he does have a jump shot, and that's uh, that's what that's part of what makes him so effective. The other part of the, that makes him so effective is is his ball handling skills. He he is uh, one of the quickest. Uh, well, mm. He is very very quick, very quick, um, and um, able to uh, play the game uh, the way it's supposed to be played. Actually, John, if we go back to the way he shoots over the bigs, the angle yeah. the angle at which that ball descends through the rim. It's a splash. There's, it's just as, as Chuck was saying, it's all net. So yeah. So in doing so, does he not in actually, actually as a byproduct, increase the target of which he's aiming at by bringing it over and dropping it vertically in? Oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And that's uh, that all happened. He, he really only does that in and around the basket, Joe, inside the three-point line, mm-hmm. say. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're absolutely correct. The area that the ball sees is significantly increased. The problem, he, he does not do that from the so probably 20 feet and beyond. And the reason is it takes too much effort to uh, to throw the ball up. I mean, there's a certain angle at which you want to, uh, to, to fire the ball, and uh, that he does from three point and beyond, actually. Yeah. Okay. Do, do we have a quantified angle of which is is perfect for him or yeah. for any of us? Yeah. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's see. For a, a typical six footer, yep. typical six footer uh, at the foul line and around, you want to shoot at fifty one degrees. Okay. When you when you hit uh, that, these are this is the launch angle. Mm hmm. Okay. And when you get out to around the th- uh, almost three pointers, you want forty five degrees. And when he's out, <laughs> in what they call Curryland, 
We're talking, uh, you know, 40, 40, uh, 40-ish degrees. It's, it's kind of a, a smooth, smooth transition. Yeah. Okay. Now, now what this achieves, now mm-hmm. what this achieves, I have to be a little careful now. This is for the perfect shot. This achieves the slowest speed at the basket. That's what I call a hoop. That's my hypothesis. That good shooters <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh, I like it, John. Hypothesis. Good, good shooters yeah. shoot to make the ball uh, the, uh, hit, be in the vicinity of the basket going the slowest. You want that to do that because right. that's how you get the bounce. Right. So uh, now, he, does, he isn't, isn't going to do that when he's in really close and shooting over big guys. That's different. To get that lack of speed, is he now rotating the ball in a certain way? It's pretty much a predestination. It's a predefined. Uh, it's a predefined mm-hmm. amount because uh, very a large part of the the uh, the shot is what we call the wrist snap. Yeah. Right. Wrist snap is under the ball. Right. And the speed of the wrist snap depends on the distance you are. I mean, well, the speed of the wrist snap uh, uh, is dictated by what it takes to get the ball to the basket. Okay. So you can see this because if you do rotations uh, uh, in the vicinity of the foul line, the rotation tends to, t- rotation tends to be a little under two revolutions per second. Beyond, uh, it's uh, it uh, goes over. Uh, it's, it's an increase of about ten percent up to two point two revolutions per second. Now this is for the perfect shot. Mm-hmm. If he's going to fire the ball, as you said, over the fenders in closer, that takes a lot more wrist speed. And uh, consequently, the ball will be rotating a little, a uh, little faster. He's about speed, control, and accuracy. He's got uh, to have such a finite touch. I mean, even to this, it's called the Magnus effect. Am I right? The the rotation on the ball, the backspin that, yeah. that goes on the ball. So you're looking at that and saying he will gauge automatically through his own mind and body how much to put on each particular shot. Yeah, now that's a part of it, and, and you'll recognize that one. Uh, that's directly uh, the, the referred to sometimes as bend it like Beckham. Yep, okay. You're, you're a soccer player. I'm sure you've seen the ball uh, mm-hmm. uh, yes. uh, uh, curve significantly. Yep. That's, that's the Magnus effect that does cause that. And um, the thing is that uh, it's not, um, how should I say, um, um, the Magnus effect is really, uh, it's part of it. It's an important part of the, sh- okay. of the shot, but it's not huge. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing. They put backspin on the ball because it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's necessary due to the, um, to the biomechanics f- with an efficient shot. Just within a, uh, but interestingly, as far as the traje- trajectory goes, it actually is worse to put backspin on the ball. What you really want to do from, <laughs> from a physics or a, um, uh, how should we say, an arc point, you want the ball, you, you've mentioned a couple times, you want the ball to uh, see a bigger area. In order to get that, you actually should put topspin on the ball, but that, that doesn't work. Okay. Yeah, well, in basketball, it'd be a little difficult to put topspin on the ball, that's for sure. sure. So, yeah, there was, a, there was a kid from Caltech who did. They had their... Uh, they're losing, uh, losing season. So, so he spent too much time uh, studying the physics and not enough studying the basketball. <laughs> well, listen, we're going to take a little break. Can you stick around with us? Sure. All right. So, Gary, uh, I have yeah. a friend of mine who is a huge, huge basketball fan and a stand-up comic. All right. And I am a huge fan of the musical Hamilton. 
Okay, can I see where you're going with this? So talk me, talk me through how this all comes together. So here's what I'm thinking. Like, Steph Curry is kind of an insurgent, the way he's changing the game of basketball. You know yes. what I mean? You see what I'm saying? Oh, and so yeah. I'm like, I would like to see how we could associate Steph Curry with Hamilton, because I think there's a new law that you have to work Hamilton into everything. So uh, we have James Mattern. What's up, buddy? What up, baby? How you feeling, hey, man? Hey, James. I'm feeling good, man. All right. So the funny thing is, I said to you, hey, what do you think? Because I know you are a huge basketball fan. Right? Yeah, it's a soft addiction. Let's yeah. just be honest about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And every time I see you at the club, <laughs> you're like totally into it, freaked out, like just up on everything that's going on in the sport. And I love that about you. Here's what I want to know. Can you, just as a rant right now, give me an association between Steph Curry and Alexander Hamilton and that I'm not going to throw away my shot? See, get, see where I'm going? See what I did oh, there? I did that. Did you see that? That's fantastic. Not going to throw away my shot. Not going to throw away. Okay, I'm going to stop. <laughs> Thank you. I can do that, my friend. All right. Uh, yeah, here we go. He's Alexander Hamilton, Steph Curry, because there's a revolution going on. And that revolution is bye-bye to the old way of thinking of basketball. Okay? It's all about the three-pointer now. All right? And he ain't throwing away that shot. So he's coming around, changing everything. And um, the old school thinking of basketball, that is Britain. Okay? Think about it like that. Anytime <laughs> Trace McGrady's like, oh, he's some MVP, huh? That's another tariff. Every pregame show, sports talk radio, tariff, tariff, t- it's like 90% taxes. He's like, I'm done with this. I'm going to go to Boston. I'm going to shoot these threes into the harbor. Revolution, baby. Okay? <laughs> and then Steve Kerr is George Washington. All right? Yeah. General George Washington, minus the wooden teeth and smelling like tobacco. I'm assuming. <laughs> I don't know. But I don't think he's in the fields or whatever. Okay? But he, so General Washington's like, we need help, baby. Okay? Because we lost. We barely lost the last war, or the battle, I should say, the Battle of Ohio to General uh, LeBron. Okay, he's a hell of a general, that General LeBron. Okay, he's been groomed to do this for years. So Kerr's like, we need help. So he brings in Aaron Burr. That's right, Kevin Durant's Aaron Burr. <laughs> Unlikable, crappy, doesn't care, doesn't care about Drake. Let Drake wear that Thor's Burke shirt, baby. Okay, gonna <laughs> be angry about that, whatever. And he's telling Steph Curry, yeah, man. Just smile more. Yeah, he does smile more because he's, he's adorable. He's an adorable human being, and he charms us, okay? He's getting, getting just love, all right? And so now they have to coexist together. Who's going to get the final shot out of him? Well, you know how it ends. You know who gets the last shot? Aaron Burr, unfortunately, okay? But hopefully Steph doesn't end up bleeding in the ground, okay, like Hamilton. No, you know how this is going to end. He's going to end up getting pushed out, and he'll be taking shots for General Jordan, and the Hornets back in his hometown in North Carolina, baby. All right. So I hope the best because I want this revolution because I'm sick of hearing that the game's just about elbows. Stop with it. Oh, you can't shoot threes. Shoot threes. It's fun. Makes you feel good. It's worth more. I don't know if these people <laughs> realize that. But Not- there it is. That's Hamilton, baby. He ain't throwing away the shot. He's changed the world. Nice. Nicely done, man. Uh, James. <laughs> James congratulations. Nicely done. Yeah. Going to Boston. Not a tea party. A three party. Oh. <laughs> hey man hey james thanks so much brother man uh, thank you fellas yeah we look forward to having you, you on the it. show again man right <laughs> on care. baby yeah, yeah. late man start a revolution baby uh- <laughs>
We're going to take a little break. And before we do, uh, Gary, I know you have some trivia to keep the people teased. Okay. We'll keep Professor to one side. But before we go to the break, a couple of questions just to exercise a little bit of the gray matter, see if you've been paying attention. How many times... Has Steph Curry won the NBA MVP? FYI, the answer will be coming up after the break. Second question. What year did the three-point line get introduced and therefore make Steph Curry's life a lot easier? We're going to take this break. Don't go away. We'll be back very, very soon. Welcome back. This is Playing With Science with Chuck Nice and myself, Gary O'Reilly. Yes. And we are focusing on the science of the shot and the physics of basketball. I posed a couple of questions before the break. How many MVPs does Steph Curry own? The answer is, of course, two. And when was the three-point line introduced into basketball? It was 1979, the rookie year of the Birdman and Magic himself, mm-hmm. just to uh, get things going for you. Two guys that never amounted to anything in basketball, unfortunately. What ever happened to those yeah, guys? Yeah, I don't know what happened to those guys. I, I had such high hopes for both of them. Talking of high hopes, Steph Curry. Yes. Just to, just to do a little bit of role of honor, the three-point King. He is the king of three-pointers. Uh, of course, he holds the single-game single, single game record for three points in one game at 13. And during the 2013 season, he set the NBA record for three-pointers uh, in the regular season with 272. And then, of course, unfortunately, that record was broken. By Steph Curry, yes. And uh, with 286. <laughs> and then again, it was broken, unfortunately. Oh, wait, by Steph Curry. Yeah, with 400. And two. Can you imagine? Really? Right. So it starts off with 272, sort of knocks it up, Which, few, yeah. and then says, I'm not dealing with anything to do with three. His life's all about three, right? Yes. So he skips three, goes straight to 402. 402, yeah. And guess what? If this were baseball, they'd be like, okay, we got to test this guy for steroids because uh, his average just went crazy. You know what I mean? But the fact is that uh, it's, it's amazing that on top of this, just being this prolific three-point shooter, uh, last night I was reading where he is number four overall foul shooter. Okay, so he is the number four overall best mm. foul shooter percentage wise in NBA history. And, and speaking of those things, we have with us uh, Jonathan Fontanella, who is the author of The Physics of Basketball. Here's, uh, here's what I want to know though um, Rick Barry is uh, up there on that list. I think he's number five. Okay. Uh, and he shot underhand. Is mm. there a different physics behind shooting an overhand foul shot and an underhand uh, free throw? Not really very much in physics. But anyway, in the case of Rick Barry, I had a quick look uh, at some some of videos. And from a physics standpoint, the underhand foul shot, at least that he shot, mm. is, is really not much different at all from uh, the, the typical uh, one-handed uh, foul shot, say, of Seth Curry. The, uh, the, the key, of course, is the release point. At what point do you release the ball? And Barry released the ball around his chest, which would, for me would have been about bottom over my head. So, uh, you know, he, um, there isn't any much difference there. And I'm, I'm fairly qualified to re- refer to this because in the 1950s, when I was coming up through the, uh, the ranks, everybody, at least in our area in Western Pennsylvania, shot underhanded. So okay. I have a, okay. an underhand. 
I have an underhand file shot that uh, I don't break out very often. <laughs> but uh, the key is I, I just found uh, found it difficult to control two hands on the ball. You know, the two hands go on the side. I guess I, I'm not, I, my guess is Barry was more ambidextrous. I bet Curry could have developed one because he has a tremendous uh, control of left and right. Yes. Amazing. Mm. But, uh, you know, it's just so much easier to control with the um, – I, I was the first person – not yeah, pretty much the first person, our coach. Our coach won 12 – won the section championship in 12 straight years, and I was a starting point guard in the 12th. And he let me switch over, so I was the first person to actually switch over to uh, one-hand foul shots. So the answer to your question is, no, it's more physical uh, <laughs> or mental <laughs> than okay. it is uh, physics. I would imagine with both hands on the ball, you'd have more control. But now you've mentioned the fact that you've got to be ambidextrous, equally as good. You're going to fly left, you're going to fly right. Is, is, that, the, is that what you're saying here? That's, that's exactly what I said. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yes, mm. that's what I, tr- I tried to say. I should say. No, no, <laughs> no. Did, oh, you're the professor yeah. here. <laughs> hey. hey. <laughs> I, I, just, I just wondered, with that, is it all about psychology? Because... Let's be fair, if you've made the NBA, you're going to have a reasonably good ability level. So it's got to be between the years. I, I think that's an absolutely fair comment. And I'll take that take it one uh, step further. I mean, Rick Barry shot a one-handed shot. So why would you develop two different shots if you can do the same thing at the foul line that you're doing every place else? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the other part of it. So, uh, yeah, certainly the mentality is part of it. But um, to me, there's, there's, it, I, I'll continue to go with the physicality, too. And is it, is it really contingent upon the amount of time that you spend at the free throw line? I mean, you hear guys talk about how uh, this guy stayed after practice and he would shoot 200 free throws every single time. And that's why he shoots 87 percent. Or is it that some guys just... They, they're just comfortable doing that. You know, they're just comfortable being at the line uh, with and, and taking that shot. It's the amount of time that you spend on the line. In fact, you got to go a little bit further. I would go a little bit further with that one. Uh, when we were coming up through um, every day for a year, we would shoot 50, 50 free throws. And I can still show you my notebooks. It's also important to write it down. Now, why do you write that down for the up-and-coming uh, NBA stars that are listening to this? Why do you write down what you do every day at the free throw line like that? Well, if you like it, just challenge yourself. You, you, uh, you do two things. I mean, uh, that, that instills just a touch of competition. Uh, you know, you, uh, I don't feel <laughs> this is a real old one. You play like you practice. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you don't practice under pressure, okay. <laughs> you're not going to do it. You're not going to perform in the game. So, you know, the idea is, all right, so I made uh, 40 out of 50 yesterday. Uh, how many am I going to make 41 today? You definitely don't want to make 39. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's, there's that little added extra element that, uh, that, that adds just a little bit of, uh, how should I say, game um, – Gamesmanship, that, that's not the right word that I'm looking for, but you, you want to you uh, practice as much as you can under game conditions. Game conditions, there you go. And that way you're actually feeling the pressure in practice, right? Absolutely. Professor, Absolutely. Is, there a, is there a perfect way to fire off a free throw, a foul shot? 
is is that just that's the way you do it and it doesn't have to be like Rick Barry and underhanded as it were or is it what works for you or or is there like mm. from from a scientific standpoint is there a perfect free throw form that will allow you like bang if you do x y and z the ball will go through the hoop the whole key of course is to fire off at the right angle Mm-hmm. And the right speed, of course, too. But there is the one angle that you can achieve the softest free throw to get the bounce. All right. Those, these are, uh, those are the two factors. Uh, from that point, how you actually achieve that is somewhat uh, negotiable, should we say. Um, you know, I made the point earlier that uh, why, why have two different kinds of free throws? And I'm the ultimate hypocrite because uh, – I, I, I would just shoot basically a one-hand set shot at the, at the free-throw line, but that has, as we've also talked about, has nothing, no relationship whatsoever to the jump shot. Well, that's not true, but it, it is not the similar motion associated with the jump shot. So it's what are they really what you're comfortable uh, with at the free-throw ride, but there's one key that underlies the whole thing, What's that? and that's reproducibility. Okay. You know, you'd have to be able to repeat what you just did. So you do it over and over and over to build up your muscle memory so that you shoot the same way every time, whatever way that is. So there are slightly better ways than. So do what works is basically what it is that you do what works. You you do unless it's ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if ugly works, it's going to be ugly. All right, so what we're going to do right now is uh, take some questions from uh, Twitter and Facebook uh, where fans are going to ask Jonathan Fontanella uh, some questions about sports and science, particularly basketball and science. Uh, Jonathan, you game for this? Sure. All right, here we go. Here we go. Um, Craig Lotes, or Lotez, okay, says, uh, and he comes to us uh, at geolotology okay all right uh, would it be easier or harder to score if the hoop was vertically on the backboard with a hole through it instead of how it is now oh i think he's talking about the way uh, the original mayans played basketball <laughs> oh. uh, you think you you think right. you're cute there mr yeah. mr craig mr craig lotez all but, right yeah uh what, is that easier or harder well, now that you mentioned the, the was it Mayans, I saw the uh, the uh, the uh, field there at Chichen Itza. I guess we don't want to discuss the uh, the uh, what happens when you lose when those guys would lose. But okay, yeah. Uh, the answer <laughs> now, now is that, no, wait. Now that you did now that you did it, Jonathan, you got to tell people because let me tell you something. I think one, the game would be that much more interesting. <laughs> Okay, and two, we'd be out of a lot of players. A lot of players. <laughs> oh yeah, not many long yeah. records set. Yeah, <laughs> but no. Yeah, anyway, when you lost, just, you, when you lost, you died, right? Uh, when that, you lost, you lost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, I, I would have to say the game would be a lot harder if 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 it were just a, a hole in the backboard. Yeah, mainly because the one thing we did, we didn't spend much time. Uh, Dealing with uh, with uh, banking the ball in off the basket uh, off the backboard, but uh, the reason to the I mean I don't know that it would be much easier if the if the basket were just horizontal the way it is now, but it's the presence of the backboard that makes it easier now. Uh, you know, right. Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay. Cool. I've come, I've come to the theory. In fact, I kind of wish I'd have known about it in my playing days. That almost anywhere in the Zero to 12, 14 foot, the ball is, is really should go off the backboard. 
I think that's what the physics says, and uh, and the um, and also the uh, the, uh, the the physic uh, the the physicality of it too. Yeah. yeah. So, and you know, uh, my dad used to say that if if you got a great bank shot, then you are you're you're far more dangerous if you have a great bank shot because you can pick the spot on the backboard and it's automatic because that's called geometry. <laughs> Kudos to your dad. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah. This is Curtis Mullins who says, uh, when a basketball is shot and rolls off your fingers, does that rotation affect the accuracy of the shot? Ooh. Uh, are we talking a finger roll or a shot or a uh, just a uh, you know typical Seth, Seth Curry shot? Yeah, because I think you know when you talk finger roll, you actually lay the ball in, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's the ultimate area of the hoop, uh, as uh, as uh, we were talking about earlier. But oh yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, if you if you go to a general physics class, they won't admit to it. In fact, I have never seen the Magnus effect <laughs> in a in a physics book, in a general physics book, uh, even though it does exist. Uh, so the answer is yeah. It's it's enough to make uh, you may miss or make. In other words, if you took a really good player, ah, we took Seth Curry. You made him shoot without putting spin on the ball. Take him a while to adjust. He he wouldn't be able to make the ball quite as easily. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean these the you realize there are those the three forces are air forces. I mean the Magnus effect is an air force. The uh, buoyant force is an air force, and the um, and the other one drag is an air force. So if you played played the game in a vacuum, I, a lot of players have it. Especially the long range shooters would have a very very difficult time. But you can't. I don't think you can just switch off the Magnus effect. Though I've seen. I mean, I'm sure you've seen players shoot, and they just push the ball. There's there's no spin yes, on the no ball. spin on the ball. Yeah. And it's just it's horrendous. It does two things. First of all, destabilizes it because if it's spinning, it's a gyroscope. And it has to stay in a certain a gyroscopic effect. And second of all, there are those Magnus effect forces in which are pushing the ball various places. If you switch that off, it's uh, totally different. So uh, that's not a brick, but a, a, a typical push shot with, with no spin is, is, is not good. <laughs> not good. Very cool. Not good. The presser said not good. Not good. Paying attention. Michelle. Uh, Buffalo says this, uh, we see backboards bro- broken from slam dunks uh, often. Not mm-hmm. not as much anymore. They, I think they've done a lot in the NBA to make sure that doesn't happen. Uh, but you never see a basketball explode. Why <laughs> does that not happen? Okay. <laughs> the game's not enough for some people, is I know. It? Some people are oh. just, yeah, yeah. But, it, you know, uh, uh, how much force would it take to actually explode a basketball? Uh, it, 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 have you ever thought about that, or is that just like no? That's not something I lose sleep over, because I don't believe that it would be humanly possible to actually explode a basketball. Well, I, interestingly, I mean, you know, I came up through the ranks doing high pressure physics, oh, which cool. means uh, you know I used to work up to the pressures of two hundred thousand psi pounds per square inch, mm. whereas you inflate to eight pounds per square inch. So I guarantee you that somewhere between 8 PSI and 200,000 PSI, that basketball will explode. Right. So, But to, to exert outward pressure from human hands, is there a human being strong enough to take a basketball, push it, and pop it like a balloon? Neat question. No, I don't think so. There you Not go. Really. That, that's, what I, that's what I was you getting know, the at. Basketballs, <laughs> the basketballs, because of the structure of the basketball, not only do they have a um, – they they have a bladder, right? If you've taken one apart, and then there's the outer, uh, then there's your outer covering, so that's um, that's pretty uh, that's pretty tough stuff. 
Gotcha. You know, I have somebody. Yeah, probably a thousand psi would do it. That's my guess. But uh, maybe that's a off. Hollywood basketball. This it's Michelle, right. isn't it? In Buffalo, she's looking about that Hollywood basketball where the guy just comes. Out. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So there oh, you have the it. Real. As regards to the Space Jam guy, yeah, I want to go. That's that's the Jordan movie, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah I don't think I've ever, ever looked at it very very closely, but right there is where the physics comes in. In a lot of movies, particularly, it's a cartoonish, I think, type thing. Yeah, I, I'm guessing. I'm guessing there's a lot of bad physics in there. <laughs> there are a lot of books and things on bad physics in movies, and right. uh, and, and space. Great. Space Jam yeah. is in every one of them. Space Jam's on page one, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Oh, very good. Well, she, Michelle, that, that, that lady asked it first. What was the first question she asked? Besides exploding basketballs, uh, broken backboards. Mm. Broken backboards. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. That, it, it, they just found that they they do much much better job of um, hanging the basket. Oh, because. Uh, 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 Backboards break when uh, when there's some incursion at the edges of the glass. Gotcha. Okay. And the edges. So the, the the real culprits used to be the bolts that they used to use to put the uh, put the basket uh, uh, attach the basket to the uh, to the uh, to the backboard. Right. Uh, these days, uh, not only have that, do they still do they have uh, are they breakaway baskets now? Yeah, now everything's breakaway. Everything's Just, breakaway, so yeah, yeah. you never get to the point where the bolts uh, hit the edge of the basket and they, they shed. Uh, they shatter. You get one occasionally because they just have over time they'll degrade. But right. okay. Oh, there you go. Yeah, oh, sure. Interesting stuff. Well, that's all the time we have for the uh, uh, questions. <laughs> John, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us on Playing with Science, Professor John Fontanella, the author of The Physics of Basketball. We will take a short break, but just like the last time, we'll leave you with a couple of questions just to exercise your mind. Question one Who is the other Splash Brother? at the Golden State Warriors. So, who is the other Splash Brother at the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry? And, second question, Steph Curry set an all-time NBA record for the number of three-pointers in a single game in November 2016. Part one of this question, who was it against and how many did he hit? The answers will be with you when we come back. Welcome back to Playing With Science. I'm Gary O'Reilly, and of course, this is the one, the only Mr. Chuck Nice. And thank God for that, because nobody wants two Chuck Nices. I'm going to hug him. <laughs> I'm going to hug that man. We are looking at the physics of basketball, in particular, the science of the shot. Now, before we get to our head coach, the answers to the questions just prior to the break. Mm -hmm. Who is the other Splash Brother? Quite simple, Clay Thompson. Mm -hmm. And in answer to the two-part question, Steph Curry broke his own three-point record in a single game in November 2016 against the New Orleans Pelicans, and he hit 13, 13 in one, one game, game to break his own record. Steph Curry, we all salute you. Now, also to be saluted is James Engels, who is Columbia Lions, Columbia University Lions basketball head coach. So, James, to you, welcome, sir. Welcome to Playing With Science. Now, straight off, your impressions of Steph Curry as a head coach. Uh, you know, Steph Curry, he's, he's an amazing individual to watch. He's, uh, 
you know, he's such a pure shooter. He's such a tremendous player. And with his work ethic and how he's sort of made himself into uh, an MVP in the league is really a credit to him. You know, he, he wasn't the most highly recruited kid when he came out of college, uh, when he came out of high school, he went yeah. to Davis and, um, you know, was looked at by some of the high major universities, but really developed him and developed himself into what he is today. And it's, it's a credit to his work ethic and, and, um, you know, what he, what he was able to do from, from, uh, growing up. When you look at him, is it difficult not to judge your own team in the light of how he executes? He is on a whole different universe. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's hard to compare with the guys that I coach right now. And I don't think that's, uh, that's not a, it's not not a slight, it's not a slight against your opponent. Of course not. Right. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's such a special, a special talent that, um, you know, our guys, uh, you know, we have some good shooters on our team, but I think Steph Curry, he, you know, some of the stats that he's put up are, I mean, mind-boggling. I think he, he's had like four 50-point games where he's had 10 threes in each game. And I think over the history of the NBA, there's only been three players have ever mm. done it. Right. So, and, you know, and, 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 he, How big an impact has Steph Curry had in the locker room for your players? Um, he's, he's had such an impact on the game. I, I mm. think he's become sort of... Uh, He's almost like a, a, a fad or a culture. People people sort of follow him. You know, if you look at um, how he warms up for games now, yes. like he does the two ball dribbling, and people come to the games early to watch him work out. Yeah, and, right. Uh, so he's he's become almost larger than life, and you know, I think it's great because all the things that he's done. He's not. He's only you know six three. He's not a physically imposing individual, but. Mm-hmm. A lot of why he's become good is really because of his, his mental toughness and because of his work ethic. So I think he's a great example for, for everyone playing the game right now that they can, they can improve themselves to, to really be good players. To expand it slightly into Golden State Warriors, the way that they shoot from so far out with everybody back in the paint, has you, have you found that that's drawn people out, opened up space, and this, this long-distance shooting has tactically changed the game? Yeah, it, it's definitely changing the way coaches are looking at the game. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, I think one of the stats that I, I saw when when you guys asked me beyond he he last year I think at some point he was like thirty five for fifty two from 25, 28 feet to half court. I wow, mean, I mean it's amazing. That's an amazing, insane. Yeah, yeah, it is insane because you can't you literally can't guard that. Right. And, um, so he's I think. With the advent of, of Golden State and how they play, and I think this came from a little bit with San Antonio as well, is that teams are becoming smaller um, and becoming and definitely putting more emphasis on shooters on the court from all different positions. So mm-hmm. the prototypical center is not really something that we see all the time in the NBA or even in college. So um, I think it definitely helps spread the court and it gives us more, it gives the teams better spacing and it allows for more skilled players to take advantage and and not, and uh, and take advantage of matchups all along the all along the court. Who was it that said Steph Curry broke the game? Because it seems almost as if he, he's he's cracked it open and he's playing it the way that it suits him. This guy's six foot three, not seven foot nine. Yeah. He's playing it his way to his attributes. It's amazing. And now yeah. and again, guys come along and do this. Yeah. Well, the other thing too is when you talk about breaking the game, and coach, I'm sure you 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 know this too. Uh, three beats two. That's all there is to it. I mean, if 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 I make a three pointer and then you come back and like you're executing everything 
perfectly and you get two points and then I just come back down to make three points, I'm going to win. <laughs> it's called math. <laughs> you know, that's the one thing. That's one of the reasons why I like being the head coach at Columbia, because people automatically think I'm smart. I, I don't even go to Columbia, but I can figure that out. Three is, <laughs> three is more than two. There you go. Yeah. How much of being a great shooter is actually taught and how much is natural? I mean, would you rather have a, a kid who's a natural shooter that mm. you can mold, or would you rather be able to just uh, take somebody who has no skill at all at, but is willing to learn and practice the mechanics? Yeah, I, that's a great question. I think I think a little bit of both. I, I mean, I think, I, I, and along the lines of Steph Curry, obviously there's some genes involved with this. You know, his father Dell, and then yeah. He was an unbelievable. He was a very, very good NBA player, and then he's got his brother Seth. Who I, I don't know if he's in the NBA now. I think he was in the NBA. Mm -hmm. uh, he still may be there now. But um, you know, some gene. So I think some of the you know the genes are involved in, in the in the specialness of what of what Seth uh, of what Steph brings. But you know, from a coaching standpoint, that's why you want to coach. I mean, I think. I'd rather find a kid and develop him and make him into the shooter that I want than just to find it, walk up and find, you know, pick the best kid that I can find and, and have him do it. So I think there's a little bit of both that goes into it. Obviously, I'd like to have a kid who has the talent who's capable of doing it, but I'd also like to help him learn and teach uh, the things that, that I think can help him become that shooter that he wants to become. When you get a guy that goes hot and cold and hot and cold, and I know from my own sporting experience, coaches hate you. Uh, <laughs> they don't like that bandwidth. They want to yeah. keep it very, very narrow. Yeah, you want to know. How what you do you work on. with that as a coach? How do you get into the player's game? Right. Is it technical? Is it mental? How do you solve those problems? And, and what does cause a streak shooter? Like yeah. you know, if you're a streak shooter, is that mental? What what causes that? Yeah, and, and that's that's definitely something as a coach. If we if we could figure that out as coaches, you know, we it, it would really it would be it would transfer to so many different things. That, but it's just like um, you know when you when you think about the game, there's you're playing against different opponents, so you could be playing against the team in the first half that plays you a certain way, and then they adjust to what you did, and then ah, they come out and play you a different way, or. Right. Or even fatigue. I mean, if you play 40 minutes in college, it's a 40 minute game. If you're playing a full 40 minutes, you may have with as you go through the game, you're statistically you may have a lull and you may miss four or five shots in a row, but then can come back and get it going. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think mentally, um, you know, I think it's very hard to be a good shooter. Uh, men, uh, really good shooters are probably some of the most mentally tough people you'll find because you know, to be a good three-point shooter from someone in the long line, Steph Curry, I think he's a 44% three-point shooter. I mean, that's an amazing stat. Yeah, that is. You know, an, an average three-point shooter is making 33% of his shots. So you're missing a lot more than you're making. Right. So you have to be mentally tough to miss, you know, miss a few shots in a row and come back and be confident enough to Don't be, to you're, not, you're not gun shy. It's like exactly. you, you want the ball. You still yeah. want the ball, even if you miss, you know. Right. So who do you think the top five guys in the NBA are for shooting? I mean, guys with skin like rhinoceros that come back no matter what happens. Who's your top five? Yeah. I'm a Nick fan, so I'm going to grudgingly say that uh, Reggie Miller is one of the best shooters ever out there. I mean, he's he was a tremendous shooter. He was. Uh, Obviously, Ray Allen is, is was awesome. A, I mean, mm. he was an awesome, awesome shooter. He was such a talent. He's fun to watch. He made some huge shots. You know, you got Steph. I think Clay Thompson is, is working his way into one of those, you know, people that will probably be one of the best in the history of the game as, as he gets more repetition and more experience. Right. Wow. Um, you know, and then, like, it's like I, old school. Like, I can't think of any guys old school to give you. It's, uh, you know, I, I'm old enough now to know. I've watched, I've watched Bernard King play and Larry Bird and, right. you know, 
So there's some guys in, that I'm not giving enough due credit for that have come before these guys. But, you know, they're certainly making the game a lot more fun. As you see with ESPN, it used to be all about dunks. Now ESPN, a lot of sports centers are about making threes. There so you it's go. fun how the game changes. Wow. That's cool, man. It is. Very cool. Very cool. Hey, Coach, man, thanks so much for uh, being with us. Thank you for your time. We hope you come back and talk some basketball with us. I would love to be on. Thank you so much for having me on. We'll make sure that happens. Thank you. Such a pleasure. Hey, so before we wrap things up, just want to remind you that uh, anything that uh, you hear here on our podcast, you can see on StarTalkAllAccess.com because in addition to the audio, we also have a video if you are a subscriber to StarTalkAllAccess.com. So go ahead and subscribe. All right? Cool. Please do so. Thank you, Mr. Nice. Thank you. I've been Gary O'Reilly, and you have been part of the Playing With Science family. Until next time, bye-bye.